Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome, everybody, to Tony Katz today. I know this is not the voice you expected to hear. I am not Tony Katz, obviously. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony today. He's had a last-minute dental emergency, so he's got to go take care of that because, as you know, his voice and the words that come out of his mouth are very important, very important to the WIBC listeners, very important to everyone around the country who listens to Tony Katz every day. So we need him to take care of that. He called me today, asked me, could I fill in? Of course, I'm always thrilled to talk to you guys. I'm Kira Davis. I am the host of Just Listen to Yourself, which is a podcast available wherever you find your fine podcasts. And I'm the author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis, K-I-R-A. And I'm coming to you live from sunny, cool Southern California. So my perspective here is going to be a little bit different way out here on the left coast. Things are crazy here, though. There's never any shortage of things to talk about. We're going to have a good time together. So I know maybe some of the intros and the lead-ins, you were hoping that you would hear Tony cover some of the stories he promised to. He'll be back to do that for you. But today I thought, wow, what a great opportunity for me to talk about something big that happened to me over the past week and has been making waves in the mainstream media. And that is my Newsweek article on Fannie Willis. Y'all know Fannie Willis, right? She is the prosecutor in Georgia who is now being asked to answer for, asked to answer, that's funny, for some uh, inappropriate, to put it lightly, inappropriate conduct in her office. And naturally that's going to have huge consequences for the, for the, the uh, Trump prosecution. And obviously that's why the, the Trump team is going after her like this. And so I wrote an article, I watched her I watched her testimony on the stand and I wrote an article in Newsweek about how I feel like her performance is sort of the the natural end result of a DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion, culture, quota hiring, otherwise known as affirmative action, although affirmative action isn't quite the same as DEI policies. DEI skews a bit more Marxist, but we can get into that later. So I I said, look, to me, this is an example of somebody who has failed upward. And as a black woman myself, I was a bit embarrassed by her behavior. And I felt it reflected poorly on all of us, not to mention poorly on her office as well. And I did make a connection to DEI. I'll talk about that article in just a second. But I don't know if you guys are sports fans. I know some of y'all out there are. I'm not a huge sports fan, although I can be convinced to sit down and watch a Super Bowl with my husband, because obviously the commercials. And but I don't know if you watch sports, but someone who is well known in the arena of sports commentary is Stephen A. Smith. He works for ESPN. He has his own podcast as well that he does. He does lots of other things. You may have heard him. Sometimes he gets involved in politics. And he's got a little back and forth going on between himself and Jason Whitlock of now of the blaze. They're, well, to say the least, they're not good friends. So you might know Stephen A. Smith as that guy. He picked up my article and he was none too pleased. 
about what he heard. But I just want to read to you just a little bit of this article to set you up. This is what I said about Fanny, and it was a little harsh. I admit that, but I was very angry watching her testimony. And I feel like the whole country is being dragged through a circus that we don't need right now. Everything feels like it's falling apart. Am I right about that? I mean, I know Tony talks about it on this show every day. Everything feels like it's falling apart. This just feels like one more piece of the puzzle. The article was written on February 16th. It's by me, Kira Davis. You can find it on Newsweek. It's called Fannie Willis is an embarrassment to black people. She is the proof that DEI only hurts us. And I talked about how she sounded stupid. I, I thought she sounded stupid. What I, I compared her to a college freshman going to her first big frat party. She, she absolutely sounded ridiculous. She did not sound like a, a professional woman, a lawyer, in one of the most influential positions, A, in her state, but B, really probably in the country. And she's prosecuting one of the most important cases of the century. She didn't sound or frankly look like a woman who should be in charge of that or anything. The woman had the nerve to get up on that stand with all the attitude in the world with her dress on backwards. So already she, she's a hot mess. I said in this piece, as I watched the testimony with my husband, an unspoken dread passed between us, weighted by a certain type of sadness. We understood instinctively that we were watching the result of a diversity first system that ends up elevating the weak while simultaneously besmirching the strong. And I talked about how every time I walk into a boardroom or a professional situation, or every time my husband walks into a boardroom or a professional situation, we're now forced to carry the Fannie Willis's of the world on our back. Because like it or not, people will judge us by the way others in our community act. And I think normally, in this day and age, most people would choose not to. I, I truly do believe to. I, I truly do believe that most people would choose not to judge me on the basis of my skin color. Do you know what perverts that instinctive notion for most people? DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, because it necessarily forces people to look at me as somebody who might not have earned, maybe not necessarily, but in many circumstances, someone who might not have earned that place. I can remember even my own father talking about this in the 90s about he was he was in the he was a professional uh, a, a business consultant in the Washington DC area and I can remember him talking to me and, and telling me that was when affirmative action policies were really coming in full swing and saying how while he uh, he did appreciate the doors that were opening that had formerly been closed to him he also said that this new issue was popping up for him in which he would walk into a room and people would treat him like he had no right to be there. Like he was just the quota hire. He was just the diversity hire. And he really didn't have anything important to offer. And of course he did. My father, God rest his soul, was a, was a very intelligent man, extremely intelligent. He could, he could think anyone under the table at any time. He was just extremely well-read out, even outside of his profession and and had a just a wickedly intelligent mind. And he was constantly having to leap over expectations in order to, to silence or suppress this 
underlying discrimination that was brought by affirmative action. It wasn't solved by affirmative action. It was brought by it. This is actually why I don't, I'm not a huge fan of affirmative action. I want to say this at the top. A lot of people make good cases for affirmative action. You would be surprised at the number of even conservatives, right-wing people who are in favor of official affirmative action policies. I talk to those people all the time. I argue with those people all the time. And I definitely differ from a lot of people on the issue of affirmative action. I do believe in perspective, right? Hiring for perspective. So if you're going to have a campaign where you you want to reach out to women voters, well, you're going to hire a woman to be in charge of that outreach, right? That that woman's going to have a better perspective. I believe in being deliberate about hiring for perspective. I wish more conservative outlets would make it a point to hire more black and minority conservatives because that's a perspective that's going to be desperately needed moving forward as the voter bases change. So I'm not saying that we should never consider a person's status as a as a gender or or race or religion. I'm just saying we shouldn't enshrine that into the law. It's very dangerous. And the result is people like Fannie Willis. I end the article, I say, I, I was deeply ashamed and discouraged to watch Willis's performance on the witness stand. As many inroads as I have tried to make in my own industry for black content creators, I am doomed to be haunted by the inherent distrust sown by diversity first practices. It isn't fair of others to cast those aspersions on me simply because of my skin color, but that's just how it is. I must deal with the world the way it is, not the way I wish it could be. And what I wish it would be is a world in which I would be judged on my merits and my complaints and diverging opinions would be judged likewise. Shame on Fannie Willis and every corrupt person who allowed her to take the path of least re resistance just to fill a quota. You've doomed us all. A pox on your houses. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Stephen Smith read this article and he was none too pleased. He did refrain from using foul language to describe me, but he also did say at the end of his video that he wanted to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, I'm going to start picking through Stephen's comments. And I think you're going to want to stay tuned for this. He had some interesting things to say, and I've got some interesting responses. I also made some responses on my show, Just Listen to Yourself. But I thought this would be a great time for us to go through this. And let's talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. What is it? Why do I think that, that I, why can I connect something like that to a woman like Fannie Willis, who's an elected official? How can I make that connection and how can I defend my point of view here? Well, I think I can do it well. I think I made my case and I think Stephen's being a whiny little diaper baby. So when we come back, we're going to break down his comments and I'll let you decide who's right here, me or Stephen. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host today, Kira Davis. I'm the author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. And we are talking this hour about my very controversial article in Newsweek, excoriating Fannie Willis and comparing her situation to what happens when DEI and quota hiring 
become the law of the land and it propels weak for weak people forward. And as a, as a black woman, a black professional myself, I was deeply ashamed of what I saw. So I wrote an article about it and Stephen A. Smith of ESPN did not like it, everybody. I don't know if you're, if you're a fan of his, you might be shocked to find out he didn't like something, but he did, he basically labeled me a race traitor for this article. So I he addressed me on his show. So let's you and I together break this down. This is actually the kind of stuff I do on my show. Just listen to yourself. I like to take things like this and I like to break down talking points and think critically through them, not just respond and throw bombs, but think critically. So it, it's a fairly I mean, it's not that lengthy. It's a little over seven minutes, but for us to get through it together, it's going to take us to the end of this segment and into the next. So bear with me, but I think you're going to have fun. I had a lot of fun listening to it and responding to it. So let's get started. Let's hear what um, Smith had to say. And I'm going to ask Carl to just pause as we move along so I can make my comments. All right, go ahead. Cue it up. If you don't know about DEI, let me remind you what it stands for. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are organizational frameworks that seek to promote the fair treatment and full participation of all people, particularly. Okay, pause it right there. But let's just let's just start there. He he definitely goes on to get very insulting about me. But let's just start there because two things I I noticed here when he started his comments. A, if you don't know anything about DEI, Marxism, quota hiring, affirmative action, if you don't know anything, then yeah, DEI sounds great. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And who can be against that? How who how can you be against diversity? How can you be against inclusion? These are equity, you can be against. But in the beginning, when you hear those three words, you think, yeah, who on earth would be against that? It, he says it's supposed to promote the fair hiring of all people. That's my point, Stephen, is that it actually isn't the fair hiring of all people. Because if it was the fair hiring of all people, then we wouldn't be looking to people's minority status as the main factor for hiring someone. That's not very fair, is it? Literally judging somebody by the color of their skin. So I understand the impulse of affirmative action. I'm not even gonna use affirmative action because these are not quite the same concepts. I understand the impulse of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but in practice, it does not work. In practice, it is simply another form of discrimination. And I don't think it's a good idea to enshrine discrimination into the constitution into your state constitution, into our federal constitution, or into any of our laws. I don't think discrimination, according to the law, is a good idea, Stephen. I don't know if you remember this at all, but the last time we enshrined discrimination into the law, we enslaved an entire population of people. So maybe it's not a good idea. You know, I don't really believe in, in, in tapping the people who broke the system to fix the system. Let's also talk for a minute about that word equity, right? because equity is not equality. And that's what the left wants us to believe. And that's why they have very slyly replaced the word equality with equity, because equality means fairness in opportunity, right? Equal opportunity. Equity means fairness in outcome. 
And how can you make sure the outcomes are, quote, fair? A, you can't. I think that's an impossibility. But human beings are, are faulty thinkers. And so sometimes we like to ignore human nature and imagine that we could just change it with the snap of our fingers or the right law. But equity, it's a great, the, the best example I can think of is the picture, Kamala Harris tweeted this out once, but a lot of liberals love this picture. It's a three children at a baseball game they're standing behind the fence they obviously don't have tickets to see the game they're trying to peek over the fence the fence is one height obviously but the kids are three different heights so the taller kids can see over but the smaller kid can't see over and so so their their claim is that equity is putting a box under that shorter kid and raising it up so he can see over the fence like the other kids that's not what equity is. That's that's e what equality is, right? Equality is is helping people achieve the same opportunity. What that kid does when he sees over the fence is up to him. He could climb over the fence. He could wait for to catch the foul ball. He could join the crowd and cheering. He could be inspired by the players on the field. Whatever he does with that opportunity is for him. But equity says. Uh, no, we're not going to put the box under him and lift everyone so that they're at the same height. We're going to cut those other taller kids off at the knees. And then everybody will be the same height. Equity is aimed at bringing people down. Equality is aimed at raising people up. So that is the big difference. All right, let's go on. Who have historically been underrepresented or subject to discrimination based on identity or disability. I'm bringing this up because this morning, Friday morning, there was an article in Newsweek magazine. It was written by a Miss Kira Davis, K-I-R-A. If I pronounced her name wrong, Miss Davis, I apologize. Kira Davis is the author of, quote, Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. She has a problem with Georgia District Attorney Fannie Willis. And she's blaming it on DEI hiring. Now, if you don't know Georgia's district attorney, Fannie Willis, if you don't know anything about her, she's the woman overseeing the Georgia case where former President Donald Trump has been charged with 13 criminal counts attempting to overturn the 2020 election results. Remember that? Well, that Fannie Willis recently took the stand in her own defense this week. Why? Because she hired special prosecutor Nathan Wade who, by the way, she was having an affair with because she was dating him. She allegedly, allegedly overpaid Wade to the tune of $650,000. As a result, Trump's attorneys are trying to have Willis, Wade, and the entire case against them dismissed. Now, pause the screen right there, please. Stay right there, y'all. All right, let's pause it right here. Let's pause it right here. Uh, I have some issues with the way Stephen Smith set that up, but naturally he's got his point of view. So he's setting it up from his point of view. But uh, we're, she wasn't dating this man, Stephen. She was having an affair with a married man in her office. She was having an affair with a subordinate. And then she appointed that support, subordinate to serve on the most important prosecution team of the 21st century. So it's quite serious. It's not just like, oh, well, everybody's really interested in, in who this uh, black woman is dating and they're all getting up in her business. Um, he's being very flip about that. It was an affair with a subordinate 
and it's involving the trial of the century. I think there's more to the story here, Stephen. We're going to dig into that, this when we come back. There's a lot more. Don't go anywhere. You're going to want to hear it all. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz, and you're listening to Tony Katz Today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I am your last minute guest host, Kira Davis, host of Just Listen to Yourself, available wherever you find your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. Tony is out for a dental emergency, but he will be back. I'm sure he'll get fixed up. And so I'm here to guide you through today with my lovely, melodic, not at all annoying voice. I don't care what my kids tell me. And we've been talking about Stephen A. Smith, his response to my article in Newsweek last week about the embarrassment I consider Fannie Willis to be for all Black people in America, but particularly for people, women like me. And Stephen A. Smith didn't like that, so he responded to it. He was none too happy. So that's what we've been doing. We've been playing through his clip and breaking it down. Again, that's what I do on my show. Just listen to yourself. Because I I do think we need to talk about this diversity, equity, and inclusion, because it sounds nice on the surface. It sounds something like, like something everybody should want. But underneath lies some dark concepts that give us people, frankly, idiots like Fannie Willis. So we're in the middle of those comments. So let's go back to Stephen A. Smith and hear him talk more about me and why I'm a total disaster for the entire black race because I'm not gonna toe the line on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm not gonna sit here and yas queen Fannie Willis for being a crook. Let's keep going, Carl. To listen to this, before I get into this any further, let's get this out the way. What would an affair have to do with a 2020 election case. Pause it right there. The question, what would an affair have to do with the 2020 election? Well, Mr. Smith, the affair has nothing to do with the 2020 election. The affair has to do with prosecuting the man that Democrats are accusing of trying to overturn the 2020 election. Okay, so nobody's talking about how her affair had some kind of impact on the 2020 election. Let's not be silly here, Stephen. The, the, the question is whether or not she engaged in inappropriate and maybe illegal activities in her office. The question here is whether or not she appointed her married lover to prosecute the most important case of our time, to prosecute the case that Donald Trump tried to overturn the 2020 election. That's what we're talking here, talking about here. So don't don't try to get flip about it. Don't try to be silly about it. Don't try to act like, oh, this is just some woman minding her own business and just trying to get hers, you know, just trying to get get out there and get a little love and connection. And here we are coming down so hard on this black woman. Don't try to act like that. And if you don't understand what the, the the consequences of this case are gonna be, Stephen, then I think you're the person who is woefully misinformed. I think you're the problem, not me. Let's continue on. Probably nothing. 
So what's the big picture here? The big picture here is that if Trump and his team is successful in getting them removed and somebody new has to get on the case, that takes time. Because of the delays, it buys more time for him to ultimately get to the presidency. And if he wins the presidential election and becomes president of the United States again, these are cases he can dismiss. Okay, you're not stop going right to there. Indict a... Yes, exactly. That, is, that was exactly my point. I'm, I'm not the problem here for pointing out her problems. If you want Donald Trump to be convicted, I, I don't. I, I think these are these. This is all political revenge. I think this this whole prosecution is going to have dire, dire consequences for elections moving forward. That's my personal opinion. Your personal opinion might be different. But yes, that is what's at stake here, Stephen. You laid it out perfectly. So why wouldn't you want this woman to be on her game? Why wouldn't you want this woman to be unassailable? Don't you want a conviction? Then you should want to know that the people in charge of this case have unassailable reputations, that they can withstand the necessary ugliness that comes with a high-profile trial. And we know that these types of trials get ugly. That's just the nature of the business, isn't it? We've all sat through, not maybe not all of us, I don't know how old every single person in this audience is, but I'm old enough to remember other trials of the centuries. The first one that comes to mind is O.J. Simpson. What a circus. It was years-long circus. The trial itself was, was a year. That was and and that was before the internet. And so our all of our airwaves were were glued to this thing. Yeah, it was ugly. It was nasty. It's still to this day, there's a lot of ugliest, ugliness and nastiness surrounding it. So that is what a trial is. And you had to believe that the Trump prosecution was going to get ugly because you all think Trump is ugly. You think he's ugly acting. That's what you that's your main complaint about him. So if you know it's going to get ugly, don't you want to make sure that he's not going to be able to poke holes, poke very simple and basic holes too, by pointing at somebody who is very influential and very important in the prosecution and saying, oh, that person might be a criminal. Yes, Stephen, you're absolutely are are deeply important. Again, another reason why you should be concerned that this person sounds like a complete moron on the witness stand. All right, let's keep going. I a sitting president, but I digress because I need to get back to more important point that I want to make, which is the issue of DEI. Why is DEI under attack here? In Kira Davis's opinion, she wrote, quote, listen to this. As a black woman and a working professional, I've never been a huge fan of affirmative action. The recent rise of critical race theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives has only bolstered my resistance. She continues, while it may seem necessary to some in order to right the wrongs of the past, I can sum up why these measures are an unmitigated disaster for hardworking black Americans in two words, Fannie Willis. That's what she said. This woman should be ashamed of herself. Pause it right because there. No, no Stephen. Fanny Willis is the person who be sh who should be ashamed, and you should be ashamed at coming at me, just a humble opinion writer, for writing six 
hundred words. Now, granted, you might not agree with all those words. I, I set up at the top of this show how all the DEI stuff, affirmative action, that's all up for debate. We can have a healthy debate if you'd like to have me on your show. But what is not up for debate is that Fannie Willis is A, an adulterer, and B, showed out on that stand. Do you know what I mean by that? She acted a total fool. I'm not the one who should be ashamed. She's the one sitting there with her dress on backwards, acting like someone just caught her with her hand in her dad's porn stash or something. And she she is a prosecutor. She should know better. She should be prepared to have an answer for all of those questions. And instead she went up there and and talked back and was not just rude, but blocking necessary answers in order for her prosecution to move forward. She acted a damn fool up there. She's the one who should be ashamed. Not me. I've been married to the same guy for 25 years. She had an affair with a married man, and then she allegedly used those funds to treat him. I know Stephen described it as sort of reimbursing him. We don't even have any. She she admitted on that stand. There is no proof of any of that, but she did admit to having cash on hand from her campaign funds. And we know she took luxury trips with her lover. That's embarrassing. She should be ashamed of that. What do I have to be ashamed of? I'm not the one in charge of prosecuting the former president of the United States. So miss me with all that, Stephen. All right, keep going. Because no matter what Fannie Willis may have done wrong, it has absolutely nothing to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. It has absolutely nothing to do with DEI. The office that she has, no one is disputing that she's qualified for it. Uh, pause you it right not. there. Um, yeah, I am. I'm disputing that she's qualified for it. That's what that whole article was about. Hello, raising hand right here. She is not qualified for this office. Now, again, I am willing to concede that the DEI stuff for me was an extrapolation, right? Because she's an elected official. It's not like someone hired her into this position. The voters did. But it's not like she walked into a, a, a boardroom and had an interview. It's not like that. And I, and I do lay that out in the article. Uh, fair enough. Fair is fair, Stephen. Fair enough. I am extrapolating. But what I'm saying is for a woman like that to get in the position that she is in, she has had to move through many elite positions in her life. How on earth did she move through the legal system to get to this elite position with that attitude and that level of knowledge that she displayed on the stand, which she sounded like I feel like I would sound on the witness stand, you know, somebody who's not a student of the law, doesn't know anything about the law, doesn't know about decorum in the courtroom. That's how she sounded. She 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 sounded like a fool. So I'm not the one that has any anything to to be ashamed of, but I am questioning her qualifications. Yes, I am, Stephen. That is exactly what the whole article is about. And frankly, that's what the Democrats should have been doing from the start if they wanted to win this case. But see, I'm starting to think this was a setup. I know I'm not the only person who has said this out loud, but I'm saying it now. And, and I'm shocked 
am frankly disappointed at Stephen A. Smith for not being able to see that he he counts himself as a as a as a black man, ride, ride or die for black women out there, for professional black women. He's taken up for Fannie Willis. Okay, then why don't you see how she's being used by the Democrat Party? We're going to talk more about this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to I'm going to play some more of this response from Stephen A. Smith. And I'm going to tell you why this is a setup. And Stephen's the one who be, should be ashamed for not coming to Fannie's defense against his own party. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz while he goes get to get a tooth checked out. We've been talking about Stephen A. Smith of ESPN and his response to my article in Newsweek on Fannie Willis and the dire consequences of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're picking apart his comments because that's kind of the thing that I do. So let's continue on with his comments. Go you ahead, may Carl. not like her and her personal choices having a relationship with a contemporary. I get that part. But to sit up there and to say, it's DEI. It's a DEI issue. Just because she's in her position is utterly ridiculous. Because when you bring that into the equation, you're questioning her qualifications for her job. Again, pause it right there, Carl. Just like some yes. Yes. I'm questioning her qualifications, Stephen. At one point, the judge had to explain to her what a hostile witness was. When she was being combative on that stand, she wasn't answering questions. When the when the person on the stand does not, I can't believe I have to explain this. Who am I? I'm a fill-in radio host, my housewife from Southern California. I can't believe I have to explain this. But when you are combative on the witness stand and you don't ask the question, answer the questions asked of you, you are declared a hostile witness so that the person, the questioner can change their line of questioning. Can It gives them a little more leeway to get the answers that they need. It's, it's a legal term and it's a legal apparatus. She's the attorney, she is the district attorney. She should know this. So he, he declared her a hostile witness and she said, I'm not hostile. Why are you making me hostile? I'm not I'm not being hostile. I'm trying to prove my innocence here. And he's and he had to explain to her that he was not calling her hostile. He was telling her she's a hostile witness so that the defense can address it accordingly. Yeah, I question her qualifications. Let's keep going. Body could easily question your qualifications for your job at Newsweek, assuming you work there, as opposed to freelancing or just writing an editorial that they published. What the hell is that about? We've got to uh, guard pause it right there. Stuff. Got uh, okay, fine. People can question me about my job, but guess what my job is? It's to talk to people and tell them my opinion. And then people pay me to tell them what I think. Guess what Fanny's job is? Her job is to prosecute the most important case of the 21st century. I think she has a little more liability here, Stephen, than I do. But to your point, I that was exactly the entire point of my article. That's what diversity, equity, and inclusion enshrined in law does. It causes people to question your qualifications, especially when you sound like a complete and utter moron on a witness stand in a trial that literally everyone in the world is watching. Give me a break. Keep going. 
we've got to monitor our stuff because here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. When we talk about diversity, equity and inclusion, you're talking about equal opportunities. That's what you're ultimately in pursuit of. You're not talking about giving somebody anything other than an opportunity. Let them sit in front of your face. Let them show you their qualifications. Give them an opportunity to put their resumes in front of you, their qualifications in front of you. And you make a fair, neutral judgment on their qualifications as a pause right making there. The That's not the what happens. That's not what happens, though. You you don't make a fair decision about who is qualified. It's just a math game at some point, but that that's my that's my problem. That's how I think someone like Fannie Willis got into her position. A lot of people looking at her as a box to check, and not somebody who is qualified. That's that's how I, I obviously I don't think that happens in every case, and I do hate it when people make DEI the ultimate boogeyman. It's not fair. It's not fair that I have to look at a lot of white folks and and know that they're thinking, oh, uh, this is I'm questioning her qualifications simply because of her skin color. But again, that that's a result of the per perverted thinking that comes around from this type of activism, if you will. So so it's not and and here he's talking about equality. That's not how you started, Stephen. You talked about equity. Again, this is something that I, someone with far less education than someone like Fannie Willis, maybe even you, have to explain. There's a difference between equity and equality. We're not talking about equality. I believe if, if, if Fannie was just given equality of opportunity, she would not be in the position she is in. How do you get to that position with that mindset, I'm trying to explain it. And to me, DEI seems like a decent explainer. I might be wrong, but again, I'm extrapolating. The point is she should be held, held accountable. All right, first hour in the can, but don't go anywhere. We've got so much more to talk about it. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz, and you are listening to Tony Katz today.